Hi, I'm Lucy Adams from Disruptive HR. Welcome to one of our podcast series where you'll hear from HR practitioners who are genuinely doing things differently. If you're looking to change your HR practices, then why not check out the Disruptive HR Club? It's got tons of videos, webinars and downloadable guides that will give you all the ideas and practical help you'll need. Check it out at www.disruptivehr.club. So hello and welcome to another podcast uh, with Disruptive HR. And today I'm talking to Jason Larry, who is Global Head of Real Estate and Facilities at Mondelez. Hi, Jason. How are you? I'm doing great, Lucy. How are you today? I'm good. I'm really good. It just feels like spring's kind of on its way. And, you know, we're kind of I've had my vaccine now, which I'm really pleased oh. about. Have you had yours yet? I'm scheduled to get my first vaccine here this week, ironically. Fantastic. Well, fantastic. I had a little bit of reaction, just felt a bit tired the next day. My husband had none at all. So um, hopefully you'll be you'll be good. And you're talking to us from Illinois, aren't you? Yeah, I'm talking to you from a suburb of Chicago, actually, and probably much like the UK. There's uh, the weather starting to warm up. Yeah. The sunshine's coming out a little bit. It seems like the vaccines are, you know, taking to be working, it. don't they? They seem to be working. And, and there's just this uh, there's just this spring feeling of light at the end of the tunnel with this whole thing we've been navigating through. So, yeah, it's good. So here we are. We're sitting in our offices and, um, you know, at home. And you've just been to tell your daughters just to kind of make sure that the noise levels don't get too high. Um, and it's a challenging time for everybody having to work from home and um, for those of us that, you know, can work from home. But as global head of a, a real estate and facilities for Mondelez, this must have been incredibly challenging for you. Yeah, it has been challenging and it's been very time consuming. Um, but I think it's I, I'd like to look at it as, as opportunistic. Yeah. As a, as a as a way as a lightning rod, this whole pandemic has been a lightning rod to really, you know, inspire change in our facilities faster than how it's been evolving already before the pandemic. So yeah, I think that's yes. so true. And same in HR, right? Because you know we've been trying to get stuff going in certain ways for ages. I mean, obviously with workplace, we've been trying to get a more flexible, you know, um, fluid type of work going. And all those objections just kind of seemed to disappear overnight, didn't they? They sure did. They sure did. You know, th there's there's been a lot of homework and studies on the most effective work environments ever since the Industrial Revolution over here in the U.S. in the 1930s. And, and when asked pre-pandemic, when asked, gosh, what creates an effective and inspiring yeah. work environment? There's three things that have always been commonplace. It's been, hey, the work environment has got to support the work you do, whether it's whether you're in HR or whether you're in business or you're in a function or you know that kind of stuff. So everybody, regardless of level in the company, regardless of function in the company, everybody needs the opportunity to do heads down uninterrupted space. Everybody collaborates with each other, physically, virtually, that kind of stuff. And then there's this, there's this third component of infective environments, even pre-pandemic, that most companies have wrestled with. And that is the idea of autonomy and choice. Yeah. So and, and so when advising companies about effective work environments, some companies have taken different positions on giving 
the employee autonomy to make a choice of how and where they get work done, whether you're in the building or out of the building. You know, some people have relied on, some companies have relied on professionals like myself to decide for the company yeah. who's best suited to have an office, who's best suited to have a cubicle. And we've handcuffed, <laughs> we've handcuffed knowledge workers to a spot we think they're going to be more most productive and yeah. not give them a choice. So this pandemic is just a is it's just an opportunity really. Yeah, and that's how we met, actually, wasn't it? We were doing a, a session with Accenture. We were on a panel together. And one of the things that was being talked about was obviously, you know, kind of what's the future? What does it look like? And I was really taken with how bold you were being, actually. And, and, and that's a, a word that's sometimes used and you kind of think, oh, God, was I? That's scary. But actually, Mondelez and, and the work that you're doing, you seem to be... Um, really thinking carefully about how do you create that option of choice for people in the future. So can you just talk us through, not necessarily what you've done during the pandemic, because I think we've all kind of, we've all kind of wrestled with that and had to deal with it, but what, what are you doing, what are you planning on doing post pandemic? Well, it's a great question. And, and, you know, I think myself and peers and other companies are, are wrestling with the same thing. And it's what we're doing might be different from for what other companies need to do for, for the, the better part of their culture. But I think it's important uh, maybe to start with the, the what we believe, what I believe, what we believe within Mondelez are the three macro trends that have been inspired by this, this pandemic that, that we're forced to wrestle with and come up with answers for yeah. will ultimately impact our environments. And the first macro trend is, look, there's been a year at least worth of precedence that it's not just the sales folks that can be remote and be effective. I mean, you can, do, you can design software, you can close the books, you can do legal work and that kind of stuff and be effective. So the first macro trend is, you know, workers, knowledge workers, they want their cake and they want to eat it too. They want to, they, they've proven to be effective making choice on how to work. And so they want to, they want to keep having that choice. And in some cases, not just remote, but remote, remote. I mean, we're seeing some employees actually want to move out of states for a better yeah. quality of life, a lower cost of living, but keep their job. So that's kind of like one of the things that's we're wrestling with and, and helping us make building decisions. The second thing, the second macro trend is, you know, this pandemic has really instilled kind of a heightened caution in, you know, in all of us really about, cleanliness and density, right? There seems to be this, this new age of germaphobes out there. Yeah, I say that <laughs> kind of a, a, a kind of a kind way, a kind way. So this, this ultimately impacts our location decisions. So there's, there's still a desire. Most people still want an urban setting, especially college graduates still want to come out of college and have an urban setting. They like the buzz of restaurants. They like the bu buzz of retail. They like the buzz of other young professionals and that kind of stuff but they're a little sensitive to getting on crowded trains and going down to city centrals, city centers, uh, excuse me, and being amongst a, a ton of people face to face. So our location decisions are kind of like on the periphery of city centers, if you will. So that's, yeah. that's very back. And the third macro trend is really the purpose an office serves going forward. And we believe the purpose of an office is no longer a place where you need to be to get work done. That's somewhat obvious after what we've been doing last year, but really, so, so, so we don't believe people want to, I say, get on trains and walk through the rain to go do heads down work in the office. What, what, what we do believe is that people want to get on trains and walk through the rain to go be with each other and to yeah. connect. 
And, and if the purpose of the office is trending that way, then we believe that we need to change the office environment to inspire people to want to be in the office and connect with so each other. Are you other. making or planning to make quite significant changes to the layout and the infrastructure that you've got in your offices? Yes, yes. Where, whereas before, we had this rigorous and robust methodology by which we decide how big our offices are and what they'll have in them and yeah. it's how many people and how far are they driving from and you know what they do and what is it fit for purpose. Now we start with this. We start with a question to the employees that call that place their home and you say, what do you choose? What do you think you're gonna to choose to do going forward? And that starts the whole requirements building for the space. So it's not gonna be a one size fits all around the world. But it's, it's really, if, if people, and this is what we're seeing, if people are choosing to go to the office to be with each other as the main purpose, the office really serves as a stop by throughout their week. As they're planning the week, I'm going to choose to go into the office on Thursday morning and meet with Lucy on this important thing yeah. we have. I'm going to choose to go in Friday afternoon and meet with my team before we go out and celebrate someone's anniversary or something like that. Instead of I'm going to choose to be there Monday through Friday, nine to five and do all sorts of work. So I'll be there for a couple hours and leave. And therefore we have to change the footprint. We have to change the design of the footprint. What, what we're doing specifically about that is we used to plan about 75% of our office space designed towards individual assigned heads down <laughs> offices, desks, cubicles, things like that. And the rest of the space was designed for collaborative space. It might be a coffee zone, it might be conference rooms and that kind of thing. We've literally flipped those percentages, Lucy, to where 75 or greater percentage of our space we're designing for multiple, a variety of connection space, closed space, open space, almost look at it as like a, a coffee shop, a business center, very comfortable, very informal, um, having, you know, different places for people to do, you know, open and closed collaborative settings and that kind of stuff. And only 20 or less percentage of the space will be shared desks that if I'm there stopping by to be with someone face to face and I've got some time between meetings, I need to go sit down and do some heads down yeah. work. I, can, I have that offering as well. Now, you've talked a lot about personal choice as being a, a trend that, you know, we, we've got used to it. We're not going to let go of that easily. Um, and my sense is that Mondelez is putting that personal choice really at the heart of your approach. Um, and you mentioned something to me about a pledge or a declaration or principles. Can you just talk a little bit about that? Because I like this idea of light touch, not, not lots of prescriptive rules, but a kind of um, a pledge approach. Yeah, yeah. So um, we've decided to take advantage of what we've learned over the last year. And um, as a company, this has started with the chairman and his leadership team. They've just put out uh, the fourth quarter of last year, what we call a flexibility pledge. And, and really what it is, it's just a one page document that leans into a couple of things. It starts by saying, we trust you. We trust you. you you've, de you've demonstrated, you know, through this, you know, Un, through the uncharted waters and through this very difficult time personally and professionally, you've demonstrated that you are getting work done and we're succeeding as a company and that kind of stuff. So we trust you to continue to do that. We trust you to, and we're empowering you to choose how and where you get work done. Right, right. Now, there's a little balance because at the same time, we don't want to become a complete remote company. 
um, we do believe that, you know, a component of culture building is relationship building and sustaining and, and, and yeah. a key component of that is sometimes live interactive face-to-face -face time and that kind of stuff. So there's a little balance there, but for the most part, we trust you. We're empowering you to make a choice of how or where you get work done. And we know that you'll make the right choice because you have in the past and you'll continue to. And, so, and that's having an impact on our, our space. I think it's, um, you mentioned balance, you know, and I think this is, the companies I talk to, they're on a spectrum, right? So I was talking to one company. I'm not sure they're going to have too many staff left, but um, they had one company which was basically saying, everyone, as soon as you can, you're back in the office full time, right? So that's one end of the spectrum. Then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got companies that um, usually uh, tech companies that have a history of working uh, flexibly, remotely, who are just going wherever you know we're a remote first organization and then most of us most of us mortal organizations are kind of in the middle and it's it's where along that spectrum do you sit and where do you get this balance because you've got individual needs and then you've got company needs customer needs team needs line manager needs that may not always align with the individual choice great if it does how are you resolving that balance? Are you saying we envisage that it will be a rough time split between work and home? Or are you saying these kind of activities need to be done in the in the office? How are you how are you managing that balance? Well, it's, it's a great question. First of all, it starts with our belief that the contemporary workforce of the future, and, and when, by the way, when I say future, I'm talking like next week, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. so like, put yourself five years up. The contemporary workforce now is a diverse, empathetic, and flexible one. And and I, I, I believe, you know, you put that in that context and, you know, when you talk about balance, you talk about flexibility, you, you, you put the choice in the knowledge worker's hands on, on how often to come to the office. And that's that's where we're starting it. Now, yeah. what we're not doing, what we're not doing is prescribing the amount of days in the right. office. We're not prescribing the type of work that must be done in the office. Because right. to be honest, I use my words, I think that that would be hypocritical. Yeah. I don't mean to use a harsh word, but, but how can we have a year's worth of precedence of of working like this and having the company results that we have and then go prescribe, you know, something restrictive. So, you know, I, I'm empathetic to our leaders because they, you know, we're helping them navigate through this and what the right thing to do is. I, I can tell you that, again, we, we don't want to be the one end of the spectrum completely remote, but we're not going to be the company that set, prescribes the type of work that can be done remote and prescribes the, the amount of days you are in the office. So we're right in the middle there. And I don't, I, I, to be honest, I think we're going to kind of see how it goes. Yeah. And I, and I, and I think, you know, the, the smart organizations that we meet, they say, you know, we're not going to prescribe because the minute you start prescribing, you're going to go with a one size fits all that, that will not meet all the different contexts, the different regions, the different scenarios. And that ultimately it has to be through conversation between a line manager and their team. Yeah. And yeah, you might not get everything you want, but you know, you resolve it based around your local knowledge of what works, what you know, what matters. And I think it's a real risk if managers start saying, "I need a policy," you know, workplace, HR, write a policy for me. And and I think that 
that's a real shame. And, and, and I don't think it will work, but I think equally it will just ruin this wonderful opportunity that we have been given. Agreed. I mean, we're in this cross the bridge when you come to it, right? We have to, we have to actually have to get more comfortable in doing that, right, Lucy? Because let's let's be honest. I mean, all of us, regardless if we've had five years experience in real estate facilities, construction, design, or twenty five years experience, we all have the same amount of experience in how we navigate through a pandemic, which is one year plus. Yeah. So none of us are experts in this, and I. I think the key thing for companies is to maintain flexibility. Don't put a hard stake in the ground because you don't know what next month is going to look like. And also, is do you think um, that, that there's also the fact that maybe we don't know exactly what we want just now? You know, if I was asked the question, do you want to go back to the office? Do you want, I want to see people. I'm not sure I want to go back to the office, but I'm not, I'm not sure what I want right now because I've had a year of being indoors. So right. actually the idea of suddenly reverting to something else, or I think we're gonna feel our way a bit, aren't we? I think so. I, I, I personally think, and what, what I'm seeing it, with our own knowledge workers dealing with them is that there, there's gonna be a little bit of a pendulum swing, which you know, when it's safe to come back to the office, the first question is, do you feel safe to come back to the office? And if you do, there will be a, a clean spot in an office for you and your colleagues yeah. and that stuff. And I think at first, people that enjoy interaction like myself, I'm, I'm a little thirsty to go do that. I'm a little thirsty to go meet Sue and Joe in the hallway and have a coffee with them, that kind yeah. of stuff. But but then I think it, that, that might happen for a couple of weeks and then I might revert back to kind of some balance between in and out, right? Yeah, it's interesting. I was talking to last year when lockdown kind of relaxed for a bit. Um, one, of a, one of our uh, clients, HR director was saying that, you know, He'd done this survey and everyone was like, yeah, I really want to go back to the office, you know, and see everyone. And, and he put all this stuff in place. You know, you talk about the kind of germaphobe piece and, you know, really go. And then no one came. Actually, <laughs> they were quite happy to work from home and then go and meet each other in a bar, you know, rather than actually kind of thinking that the office was. And let's face it, no one misses the commute. Well, maybe there's one or two people out there who miss the commute. But that bit was just painful, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's funny you say that because there was a time at which we were preparing to come back to the office during the pandemic and all the requirements that we we're going to have in the office. Think about this. It's like you could go into a conference room, but you couldn't be with anybody. You had to wear a mask and be six feet away from each other. And then all of a sudden you start to put that down. You start as a practical matter thinking through it. You're like, so why would I go? It's more restricted to be there than it, exactly. it is. Exactly. Where, where is the pleasure and engagement in that? It's just a horrible experience. Right. So just let's finish up on, on leaders, because um, whilst a pledge from the top, et cetera, is fantastic, individual choice being emphasized, wonderful. But in the end, it's our line manager relationship that is going to really make this work, isn't it? Are you doing anything with HR as an organization to help managers kind of think this through? I know they've been, they've obviously been doing it already, but are you even just getting them to reflect on that? How, how are you preparing line managers to deal with, with, a, with a, a future that looks quite different? Yeah, well, there's, you know, we believe that there's a new leadership gear that everybody must possess, and that's the gear of empathy. You know, because, I mean, let's face it, all of our, all of our individual circumstances are different. Um, regardless if you're in a developed region or underdeveloped region, um, 
And so, you know, you know, whatever your your family situations are, your personal situations are, you, you really can't predict and you really can't forecast what, or you shouldn't generalize. So having empathy as a line manager uh, and, and managing each case differently as opposed to within policy is is really where it starts. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, a couple of things um, just to wrap up. Firstly, um, I probably have single-handedly contributed to your market share improvement uh, during lockdown. <laughs> Well, thank, so thank you, you thank you for everything that you do and for making lockdown bearable for me and secondly um when this is over and and flying and other things are open and and visits then you know we'll we'll get that cup of coffee ideally as i said to you earlier i've only been to chicago in february and december so it would be oh. a real real nice change to experience your amazing city without freezing oh. to death I look forward to that. We'll see. And Let's likewise, the sooner I can get over there, the better. And, and we'll connect that way as well. Yeah. As soon as you're over in London, let me know and we'll grab that coffee. It's been such a pleasure talking to you, Jason. Pleasure's been mine. Thanks. Good Lisa. luck with it. Bye now. Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more resources to help you change HR, check out the Disruptive HR Club at www.disruptivehr.club.